Bad Quaker Show, where liberty is our mission. Today is Monday, February 11th, 2013. My name is Ben Stone, and this is podcast number 270. Before I get into the show, I have a press release uh, announcing the publication of Voluntary Islam and Other Essays by Davi Barker. Davi Barker's first book is officially being released on Tuesday, February 19th, in time for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. The paperback will be available from Amazon.com and all major bookstores. The ebook will be free for the first 24 hours after release for the Amazon Kindle. Now, uh, if you're a regular uh, Bad Quaker listener, you'll know that I had uh, Davi on the show not long ago. And if you enjoyed that show, if you enjoyed that uh, episode of the Bad Quaker Show, then uh, you're going to want to get a hold of this book. I've read mo- I haven't actually read the book yet. I've read most of the essays that are in it, and I can say that uh, Davi is just an absolute joy to read his work. And I strongly recommend that when this book comes out on the 19th, that you get a hold of it. And if possible, Davi is going to be at the uh, New Hampshire Liberty Forum. If you have the capability to do so, I would urge you to get to New Hampshire. Uh, for the Liberty Forum, I can't remember the days it's taking place. One second here, and I'll have that. It's being uh, it's taking place from February 21st through 24th. I think actually, I think the first official activities is on are on the 22nd, but uh, somewhere around the 21st or 22nd through the 24th, it's in Nashua, New Hampshire. Uh, I'll be one of the speakers there, along with a bunch of other people. Um, Tom Woods will be there. Jeffrey Tucker will be there. And if you can make it, I would strongly urge you to get there and uh, uh, get a copy of his book and get him to sign the book for you. He'll do that for you. Okay, so that's my little commercial for my friend Davi. And uh, I want to get right into the meat and potatoes of today's podcast because there's quite a bit of controversy, confusion, um well okay well let's let's put it this way the the title of today's podcast is going to be Ron Paul versus ronpaul.com um now i want to make it clear it doesn't matter how you feel about ron paul the man or ronpaul.com the website or the owners of the website to find truth you must set aside your emotions and you must ignore the noise of the faithful status shouting in the background. That is the only way we can come to a conclusion that's based on facts and based on truth. Set aside emotions. Set aside what you might think about the website. Set aside what you might think about Ron Paul. And whatever you do, do not listen to the roars and to the shouts of the, of the faithful statists that are uh, attempting to overwhelm the argument. Now let's look at the facts first. Ron Paul has directed his attorneys... And this is going to sound a little bit mechanical because there are specific things that I need to read very carefully to make sure that I say them correctly so that, so that I'm not misunderstood and so that I'm uh, properly representing both sides in this argument. Okay, so Ron Paul has directed his attorneys, and on his behalf, they have petitioned the World Intellectual Property Organization, the WIPO, which is one of 17 specified agencies of the United Nations. Now, just let that sink in for a second. Ron Paul hired attorneys and had them petition the UN on his behalf. The complaint, which I have read in its entirety states that based on three facts, and I'll cover those three facts, based on three facts, the domain names ronpaul.com and ronpaul.org should be seized and turned over to the person, Ron Paul. 
Now, that's basically the complaint that, that, is, that is now in the hands of the UN to decide. There are three legal facts of this case. The first legal fact, Ron Paul owns a U.S. trademark. He owns the trademark rights to the words Ron Paul. That's fact number one. Fact number two, Ron Paul enjoys a national reputation in the United States. Now, that's a direct quote from the petition. Ron Paul, quote, enjoys a national reputation in the United States, end quote. And number three, the current owners of the domains are seeking to profit too much from those domains. Now, that's, that's the wording that's in this, uh, uh, in this petition. It's not my wording. Now, I'm going to go on to, to talk about this a little further, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Remember this fact. Ron Paul's attorneys are not arguing that Ron Paul owns the words Ron Paul because it's his name. They're arguing that he owns the words because he owns the trademark and he owns his reputation. That's what their argument is based on, that he has trademarked the words Ron Paul and that his reputation is based on this and he owns his reputation. This is the essence of their argument. And again, like I said a second ago, the third part of their argument is that the owners of the domains are seeking too much profit, in their opinion, too much profit, in the opinion of the Ron Paul attorneys. And evidently, Ron Paul. I mean, after all, they represent Ron Paul, do they not? Now, one of the things, I want to jump off for a second here on the side because I want to bring this up. Every place on the Internet where I've seen this argument being tossed around, somebody inevitably brings up the argument that says, well, I'm sure Ron Paul doesn't know about this. These are just his, uh, his people doing this without his knowledge. Or, or these are just people that work for Ron Paul, working, you know, doing these things on his behalf. It doesn't necessarily mean he's doing it. Well, you know, we heard that argument with uh, going all the way back to the newsletters. Well, Ron Paul didn't write the news newsletters. He wasn't in charge at the time. They were doing that under his name. Uh, oh, Ron Paul didn't. Uh, it, it wasn't Ron Paul that that messed up the the uh, uh, the election process in 2012. It was his handlers. It was those evil handlers that messed things up for him. There's this ongoing tendency of some people in the Ron Paul movement to take anything associated with Ron Paul that is not good and immediately dump it on the on the crew of people that are around Ron Paul and excuse Ron Paul for any actions no matter what no matter no matter what his ties or or not, or lack of ties they excuse Ron Paul by saying it's his handlers it's his employees it's other people working in his name you know what this kind of undermines the whole idea that Ron Paul should be able to uh, to protect his reputation. If he's not protecting his reputation from from abuse by his own employees, then what right does he have to go out there and sue somebody else over his reputation? This this excuse of constantly blaming Ron Paul's handlers is getting really really thin at this point. Okay, um, let's get off of that and let's get back to the facts of this case. That was just my rant on my opinion, but, but let's get back to the facts of the case on this. Now, again, I want to re-emphasize re his whole case is based on three things. That Ron Paul owns the trademark to the words Ron Paul. That he enjoys a national, this is in quotes, he enjoys a national reputation in the United States and that the current owners of the domain of the domains two of them are seek two domains are seeking too much profit now the first problem he we have here is the idea that you own your name the lawyers in this case are not arguing that i, I said this a second ago but i want to emphasize it the lawyers are not arguing that ron paul owns the words ron paul because it's his name there are because they know better than that they know that's not the case you don't own your name and the lawyers are not going to they're not going to make a case uh, they're not going to attempt to make a case based on that because they know that's not true they know that ron paul or anybody else uh, doesn't own their own name it's just not the way it is so they're not making that argument it's all uh, uh, the the entire argument is based on their their uh, their belief that Ron Paul owns the trademark Ron Paul and the reputation of that name. Now, in this case, if you think about some of the and I'm not going to go into a big deal on sovereign citizens, but if you think about the sovereign citizens argument to a certain extent, 
they 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 utilize this loophole in the law, and they uh, they they use legal maneuverings, and they attempt to either rename themselves or they attempt to take ownership of their name through the, through the government uh, through legal manipulations, or they try to. Um, there's a bunch of little tricks that they try to pull by by patenting their name or or copywriting their name or making a legal. Um, uh, a deed for their name. They do these things, and and these are little tricks that are actually legally. Uh, they have foundation legally to do these things. But my problem with the sovereign citizens in their little net word games that they pull is ultimately what they're doing is based on on the faith that the government is actually um, there for some purpose as far as determining property rights, and that the government will act according to its own rules. Well, that's the flaw. The government is not there to protect property rights, and the government will not follow its own rules. That's why the sovereign citizen movement will fail, and why it always fails, and why it always ends up, if you push it long enough, it always ends up with some guy in a bunker surrounded by a SWAT team, and he either gives up and goes to jail, or he gets a bullet in his forehead. Because that's the ultimate end. If, if you take the sovereign citizen argument all the way out, yes, they are legally correct in everything they are doing, and the government doesn't care. It'll put a bullet in their forehead anyway, because the government is not here to protect property rights. Hans Hermann Hoppe has, has gone extensively into this topic and shown that the purpose of the government is not to protect property rights. The purpose of the government is to perpetuate the power of government. That's what it's for. That's what it does. Uh, when I had um, Bob Higgs on the show with me, he and I talked about this. People think the government um, exists to, to provide these different services. And all these different services and all these different things like, like property rights uh, determination and, and uh, you know, building the roads or whatever it is you imagine the government is there to do, that's all wrong. The government fails at everything that it does except one thing, perpetuate itself. And that's the one thing government does with blinding efficiency. It keeps itself in power, and it does so ruthlessly and without regard to its own rules. So this is why the whole sovereign citizen things uh, will never work. It can't work because the government will just cheat and kill you. Okay, so, but above and beyond that, taking it back to the Ron Paul thing, the sovereign citizen people are correct. You don't own your name unless you go through all this procedure, this silly procedure with, with documentation and everything, to obtain your name. And even then, the government can just ignore those rules. And I, I was going to talk about, you know, corporations and corporation names and how the government sees the government as a corporation, the government sees every city as a corporation, and the government sees every individual as a corporation. And, and in all that, and this is a bunch of stuff that the sovereign citizen people go into in great detail, but in all that, the owner, uh, you, they, uh, the, the, the government sees you as a corporation and sees your name as the, as the title of that corporation. That's why they want you to sign your name in certain ways on documents and all this kind of stuff. And, and again, the sovereign citizen people are all correct on all this stuff. So, um, so as the government looks at you and looks at you as a corporation and looks at your name as the legal title of that corporation, it also looks at the owner of the corporation as the government. That's the, whole, that's the whole thing that the sovereign citizens try to do when they go in and try to rename themselves or they try to take ownership of their name. That's what they're attempting to do is to legally show that they are their own owner. They are a sovereign individual. They are like a government, like a sovereign government, except they are the sovereign owner of themselves and their own name. And, of course, uh, like I said, legally, technically, this is all correct, um, but it's not right. And the government eventually uh, will just, you know, break its rules and ignore that stuff and shoot them anyway. Now, one, th one thing in all this, and, I, and I'm just throwing this out, not because it's really pertinent to the case, but because I, I just found it fascinating. Ron Paul's lawyers state in, uh, in, in their document um, previous decisions as a foundation for their case. And three of the previous decisions they, they, that they refer to is, uh, is the case of Larry King, Julia Roberts, and Hillary Clinton, who all had to go and file a similar thing to what Ron Paul is doing uh, to capture the websites uh, that had their names on them. Now, that's, that's not really, it has nothing to do with our discussion here, what you 
what you're hearing me talk about, other than the fact that I find it interesting that Ron Paul's lawyers would use Larry King, Julia Roberts, and Hillary Clinton as examples of the uh, of the behavior that they expect Ron Paul to follow. And and this is a good time to point out that without a doubt, um, the decision is going to be made that Ron Paul will own both websites. That's that's just uh, to me. I I, I see no possible. Uh, no possible scenario where Ron Paul will not win this case. It's uh, his argument is legally sound. His argument is established through, uh, you know, through previous decisions. There, there's just no question. The the current owners of RonPaul.com and RonPaul.org are going to lose this case without a doubt. Okay, so now in the actual complaint, it states that uh, a guy named Chris Younts Younts. Yance, I believe, inquired about buying the domain names, and at that time the price was set at eight hundred and forty-eight thousand dollars. Now this is all in the um, in the complaint. However, there's no evidence submitted anywhere in the complaint that indicates that the owners of the domain knew that this Chris Yance or Yance. I'm sorry if I'm mispro- I'm sure I'm mispronouncing the name, but anyway, there, there's nothing in the document in the documentation to prove or to even indicate that the owners of the domains uh, knew that Chris Yance represented Ron Paul in any way. And there's also nothing uh, in the in the submitted evidence to indicate when this Yance guy made this inquiry. So it could have been at the height of the 2008 uh, political cycle. It could have been at the height of the 2012 political cycle. There's no way of determining when this guy made this offer because it's not in the complaint. So, um, so you know, so imagine yourself as the owners of, of RonPaul.com and some guy, just some guy emails you and says, hey, uh, I want to buy your website. What's it worth? Well, you know, what would you say if it's if it's like uh, March of 2012 when the Ron Paul fury was just uh, overwhelming the Internet? What would you say if you owned RonPaul.com and just some guy emailed you and said, hey, what do you sell this for? What would you say to him? You would make up some ridiculous number that's far because you don't want to get rid of it. So you would make up some ridiculous offer. If you don't know it's coming from Ron Paul, you would just throw out some ridiculous amount of money that there's no way they're ever going to pay that much for it. But if they did, well, hey, you'd take it, right? Now, based on that amount, that $848,000, the complaint states that the demanded sale price is is exorbitant. And um, and then the complaint points out that the domain... Uh, the domains originally only cost the owners between nine and thirty dollars. Now think about this for a minute. What we're what we're basically seeing here in the complaint is they're saying that um, that the owners of the domain only paid between nine and thirty dollars, and so their demand price, their asking price, is way out of range. So they're asking. This is Ron Paul's attorneys. Ron Paul fancies himself, uh, calls himself an Austrian in economic sense. And yet Ron Paul's attorneys are making the argument that uh, because something cost between $9 and $30, then somehow the price should be established based on that cost. When I come back from this break, I want to touch on that just a little bit, touch on price controls and wage controls, and Ron Paul and uh, what he said about Richard Nixon when Richard Nixon tried these same kind of economic shenanigans. I'll be right back. BadQuaker.com uses HostGator as our web hosting service. It was fast and easy to get set up, and the support we receive is top-notch. They have helpful and friendly 24-7, 365 live technical support and a 99.9% uptime guarantee, and they have some of the best prices in the business. If you have a website, or if you want to have a website, check them out by going to BadQuaker.com and click on the button for HostGator. And thank you very much for supporting BadQuaker.com. Would you like to do something to support BadQuaker.com? Here's how easy it is. If you're already going to buy something from Amazon, go to BadQuaker.com first. Click on any of the buttons for Amazon. Once at Amazon, shop like you normally would. You'll pay the same price for the things you buy from Amazon, 
but Amazon will give BadQuaker.com a tiny portion of that purchase. It's amazingly easy to shop at Amazon, it won't cost you any extra, and you'll be supporting BadQuaker.com. Thank you. Okay, thanks for sticking with me. Now, what I was talking about right before the break was that the complaint actually states, uh, in more than one place actually, it, it states that um, because the price, because the original cost of the domains was between 9 and $30, I think it says something like $9.99 to $29.99 or something like that. But, but essentially, we're talking about basing the current value of the, of the domains on the original sale price of the domains. Now, if you take this out logically and you say, oh, well, that seems fair, well, then, okay. Um, so then the price of everything should be set on what it costs to buy the raw products, right? I mean, if you're going to be consistent, if you're seeking the truth and you set emotions aside, and if you say that, uh, that a domain name that has been in use since 2007 and that has literally 10,000 hours of work in building and maintaining it, if you're saying that somehow the price of that, the current market price of that, should be based on what it cost to originally buy it, then the cost of a car should be zero because it's essentially made of dirt. It's made of things that come out of the ground, and, the, and, and dirt is practically free. So... So if so if Ron Paul if ronpaul.com should be sold for between 9 and 30 dollars then a car should cost the same as dirt. But we know that that's stupid. We know that that's economically not a way to think. Now I mentioned uh, Richard Nixon when when Ron Paul decided to go into politics, Ron Paul has stated that two things inspired him to go into politics. One was that Nixon closed the gold window. And I'm not, I'm not going to, oh, I'd love to just talk about that for the next 45 minutes, but I can't. The other thing that, 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 that uh, Ron Paul has stated that Nixon did, and he did this almost the same time, was he imposed price and wage controls on the market. And in doing so, these two things that Nixon did um, really destroyed the economy. If you look at what happened all through the 70s, that entire nasty uh, inflation, stagflation, all that economic turmoil that took place in the 70s can be directly linked to Nixon's two actions that he took, one in closing the gold window and the other in is imposing price and wage controls. Price and wage controls are socialistic uh, mechanisms. Um, Mises wrote extensively on this. Rothbard wrote extensively on this. And I know Ron Paul understands it because Ron Paul has talked about it. And Ron Paul has talked about Nixon's actions and that that was one of the things, one of the two things that inspired Ron Paul to run for office. And yet, price controls are exactly what we're talking about here. We're talking about a governmental, governmental agency imposing a price on something that someone else has put their labor and effort into. That is exactly what we're talking about happening. We're talking about someone honestly purchasing something that nobody else wanted. If somebody else wanted it, they could have bought it then. Back in 2007, anybody could have bought it. Ron Paul could have bought it. He didn't. These guys legitimately, legally, and and in you know in, in all fairness, they they bought the site because they wanted to push the ideas of Ron Paul. And and whatever their motives are, that's beside the point. Maybe they maybe they purchased it purely for the purpose of of making money. Maybe they did. I don't know inside their heart. I don't know. I know they say they that they got it and they put all this work to try to get Ron Paul elected. That's what they say. I don't know. Maybe they're lying. Maybe they did it purely for profit. Why do you think Ford built cars? What do you think Edison uh, uh, invented the light bulb? Do you think it was to help humanity? Well, really? Well, then why did he sell it? Why did he patent it? Why did he, why did he build a company around selling it? And why did he get mad when Westinghouse made their own? You see, the desire to make money is not a bad thing. And for someone in, in a governmental agencies, for someone to ask a government to come in and impose a price on something, uh, oh, Mises would be appalled by this. I'm appalled by this. 
Rothbard would be appalled by this. To ask a governmental agency to impose a price upon something that someone else has put work, they homesteaded it, they got there first, they purchased it legitimately, they worked on it, they, they sweated. They, if you've never built a website, then, then you're out of this conversation. Don't, don't tell me that they haven't worked on it if you've never worked on a website. And all of their effort is just going to be taken away because Ron Paul is using the UN, the fist of government, to take it from them. Okay, now let's go to the fair market price thing because this is stated over and over in their complaint that the, 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 the amount that they're, they're currently asking $250,000 uh, for, for the uh, website. The, ori- the original 849000 or whatever it was, 848000 was uh, was an offer made to, to this other guy. Like I said, there's no indication that they even know that guy represented Ron Paul at the time, and we don't know when that offer took place. But we do know that they offered it to Ron Paul. They offered him ronpaul.org for free. They asked if they could please keep ronpaul.com because they had so much invested into it. But they said, you know, if you really want it, if you really want ronpaul.com, we'll give you ronpaul.com and all of our email list for $250,000. Now, if you realize the value of a huge email list like that, um, I'm thinking $250,000 is probably a fair market value for it. But even if it's not, you know what a real fair market value is for something? A real fair market value can only be determined by the buyer and the seller. If the seller says the fair market value is $250,000, then to them it's worth $250,000. But if the, if the buyer will only pay 200000 for it, then to him the value is two hundred, and that's why we negotiate. But Ron Paul didn't attempt to negotiate. There was no attempt to negotiate whatsoever. All there was was these guys sent a letter when, uh, actually, um, before I get into that, let, let's, let's back up just a little bit because there's more I want to I talk about on, this, uh, uh, on, this, on the fair use of this and the, uh, and the legitimate use of it. In the complaint, it states that the owners have no legitimate use for the site other than to make money. Now, it actually says that. It says that the owners have no legitimate use for the site other than to make money. Like if that's bad. Again, why did, uh, why did Edison invent the light bulb? Why did Henry Ford um, mass-produce cars? Why did that happen? Why is it that you go to work every day? Is it because you just love your employer and you just love to go down there and, and sit at a cubicle all day or dig a ditch all day? Is that why you go to your employer? No, you go to your job and you work to make money. Is that bad? Is that evil? There's nothing wrong with that. Why does Ron Paul sell his books for money? If there's something wrong with making money, then why is Ron Paul a, a multimillionaire? This is socialism, folks. This is Ron Paul using socialism to try to obtain what he wants from somebody else who worked it, who, who homesteaded it and developed it and worked on it. And Ron Paul wants to use the fist of government and the concepts of socialism to take it. A quote from the complaint says, Respondents clearly are using ronpaul.com and ronpaul.org commercially. Oh, no! Oh, no! It, it, the complaint calls this, uh, this motive bad faith. It's bad faith because they're trying to use ronpaul.com and ronpaul.org commercially. Bad faith. That's bad faith? Really? It's not bad faith to hire a lawyer to go to the U.N. and try to take something that someone else owns, right? That's not bad faith, right? Is that the world we're living in? Is that the world we accept? The domain owners are using the site to sell merchandise by third-party vendors in direct competition with Ron Paul. Oh, no, not competition. Oh, no, Ron Paul can't have competition. Oh, evil competition. We can't have competition. Stinking socialists. Now, further facts not disputed by either side. While appearing on the Alex Jones show, Ron Paul expressed regret for not purchasing the domains earlier. Hearing this, the owners of the domain sent Ron Paul a letter offering him one of the sites for free. That's what I mentioned a minute ago. 
They expressed that they would like to keep one domain because of the content and the work spent on it, but they would sell it with the extensive mailing list for $250,000. Ron Paul's perspective on this is as follows. Number one, I've got four points here. Number one, Ron Paul owns his name, and these people, that's by way of uh, copyright, by the way, Ron Paul owns his name, and these people are using it for profit. Two, when Ron Paul was a congressman, he was prevented by law from recapturing his name. And the reason why is because there's some weird law that says that a public figure like you know Barack Obama or, or Ron Paul when he was in office or somebody like that um, doesn't have the same rights as somebody else. You can, you know, you can make fun of them. You can say things about them that you couldn't normally say about other people. You can take pictures of them. There's all kinds of weird uh, um, things stuck into the law that somehow make, um, you know, public figures, uh, governmental figures, and so forth, different from the rest of us. I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Okay, three. Um, now he's a private citizen, and by law, he can reclaim his name. Again, this is Ron Paul's perspective. Four, the UN is the established body to accomplish this task, and no one else has the international authority. And I've seen this argument made actually on the internet that, well, who else would you call? Well, who else would you talk to? Isn't, isn't this is the proper method? This is the proper way. Yes, it is, according to, you know, statism, according to if you if you buy into the state, if you believe all the aspects of the state, then all four of these points are right. Ron Paul owns his name and these people are using it for profit. Uh, when Ron Paul was a congressman, he was prevented by law from recapturing his name. Now he's a private citizen and by law he can reclaim his name. And the UN is the established body to accomplish this task. No one else has the international authority. So if you're a statist and you believe the arguments of the state and you believe in the state and you trust the state as the ultimate arbitrator in all matters, then all four of those points are correct. Um, and again, that's what the UN is going to look at when they make this decision, and they will make the decision on behalf of Ron Paul. Ron Paul will get these two domains. He will. He's going to get it. But what is a name? What really is a name, and can a person own it? Can Ron Paul own his name? Can you own your name? Can Ron Paul own his reputation? Is there ownership in a reputation. No, there's not. You can't own that. You can't own your reputation. Your reputation is the opinion of other people. Your reputation is thoughts. You cannot own someone else's thoughts. They're in someone else's head. They're the property of whoever is thinking them at the time. And your name is simply words used to describe the concept of you. Again, they're thoughts. Thoughts and words. Words that describe those thoughts. You can't own words and you can't own thoughts. Um, now, to back up this statement, because this, unless you're really familiar with libertarian concepts, this may, this may sound a little crazy to you or it may sound radical or, or it may just sound wrong. But I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to pick up a book by Walter Block called Defending the Undefendable. And you need to flip over to chapter 7 in Defending the Undefendable. And you, and you need to read chapter 7 of Defending the Undefendable. Now what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to read out of that book, Defending the Undefendable by Walter Block. And I might say this too. If Walter Block is consistent with what he has taught over the years, and if he is consistent with what he says in this book, then, Ron, then, then Walter Block should be telling his friend Ron Paul, Ron, you're wrong. You don't own your name, and you don't own your reputation. This is from the chapter titled The Slanderer and the Libeler, Chapter 7 of Defending the Undefendable. It is easy to be an advocate of free speech when it applies to the rights of those with whom one is in agreement. But the critical test concerns controversial speech, 
statements which make which we may consider vicious and nasty and which may in fact actually be vicious and nasty now there is perhaps nothing more repugnant or vicious than liable we must therefore take particular care to defend the free speech rights of libelers for if they can be protected the rights of all others who do not give so much offense will certainly be more secure but the rights of free speech of libelers and slanderers are oh i'm sorry but if the rights of free speech of libelers and slanderer, slanderers are not protected the rights of others will be less secure the reason civil libertarians have not been involved in the protection of the rights of libelers and slanderers is clear uh, liable is ruinous to reputation harsh tales about losing jobs friends etc abound far from being concerned with the free speech rights of the libeler or the slanderer civil libertarians have been concerned with protecting those who have had their reputations destroyed as though that in itself is unpardonable but obviously protecting a person's reputation is not an absolute value if it were if that is reputations were really sacrosanct then we would have to prohibit most categories of denigration even truthful ones unfavorable literary criticism satire in movies plays music or book reviews could not be allowed anything which demonstrated any individuals or any institutions repu oh i'm sorry any anything that diminished any individuals or any institutions reputation would have to be forbidden of course civil libertarians would deny that their objection to slander and libel commit commits them to the view described they would admit that a person's reputation cannot always be protected that sometimes it must be sacrificed but this they might say does not exonerate the libeler for a person's reputation is not something to be taken lightly it may not be damaged without good reason but what is a person's reputation what is this thing which may not be taken lightly clearly it is not a possession which may be said to belong to him in in any way for example his clothes do in fact a person's reputation does not belong to him at all a person's reputation is what other people think of him it consists of the thoughts of other people a man does not own his reputation any more than he owns the thoughts of others because that's all his reputation consists of a man's reputation cannot be stolen from him any more than can the thoughts of other people be stolen from him whether the re whether his reputation was taken from him by fair means or foul or truth or falsehood he did not own it in the first place hence should have no recourse to the law for damages what then are we doing when we object to or prohibit libel we are prohibiting someone from affecting or trying to affect the thoughts of other people but what does the right of free speech mean if not that we are free to try to affect the thoughts of those around us so we must conclude that libel and slander are consistent with the rights of free speech finally paradoxically though it may be reputations would probably be more secure without the laws which prohibit libelous speech with the present laws prohibiting libelous falsehoods there's a natural tendency to believe any publicized slur on someone's character it would not be printed if it were not true reasons the gullible public if libel and slander were allowed however the public would not so easily be deceived attacks would come so thick and fast that they would have to be substantiated before people would before they before they would have any impact agencies similar to consumers union and the better business bureau might organize to meet the public's demand for accurate information the public would soon learn to digest and evaluate the statements of libelers and slanderers if the latter were allowed free reign no longer would a libeler or a slanderer have the automatic power to ruin a person's reputation when i get back i'm going to talk about stephen kinsella and his opinion on this.
Do you have an Amazon account? If you don't, let me encourage you to set one up. Setting up an account is free and it's easy, and Amazon has great prices, and in most cases you can avoid paying sales tax. Plus, if you're careful and lump your purchases together, you can get free shipping. And Amazon has almost anything you can think of, plus it's safer and cheaper than driving all over town. When you buy stuff, if you follow the Amazon link at badquaker.com, Amazon will give Bad Quaker a tiny portion of the purchase. It won't cost you any extra, but you'll be supporting this podcast. Thank you. Okay, thanks for sticking with me. Now, um, that was Walter Block in Defending the Undefendable. And before I go into Stephen Kinsella's uh, position on this, let me just point out exactly what we're talking about with property. Um, The economist understands, and and again, Ron Paul fancies himself an economist. He goes to the Mises Institute, he supports the Mises Institute, he speaks there. The economist Murray Rothbard was a good friend of his. Um, you know, a, a lot of what we do as libertarians is based on our understanding of Austrian economics. So then we have to have a foundational understanding of what is property. Pro- let's think about these words. Before I get into property, let's think about these words first. Tangible. Tangible is a thing that is perceivable by touch. That's, what ta- that's the definition of tan- tangible. Intangible is unable to be touched or grasped not having a physical presence. And scarcity. Scarcity is the fundamental economic problem of having seemingly unlimited human wants and needs in a world of limited resources. Now, just to demonstrate this, I want you to think about it just for a second. Um, Data. Well, actually, uh, Stephen Kinsella. Yeah, I'll I'll use him in this. Stephen Kinsella, in, in his book, Against Intellectual Property, uh, and actually, you can find this between pages 29 and 34. He goes into these topics pretty well. And um, Stephen Kinsella points out that if you have a book, let's say you have a physical book, you're holding it, holding it in your hands. And if there is a way that someone can copy that book, word for word, every image, every, every thought that's, that's expressed in the words in that book, if someone can copy that book, identically, every aspect of it, copy it, and they walk away with their copy, you still have your copy. They have stolen nothing from you. Now, this there's a, there's a picture that uh, was bouncing all around the Internet, and I posted it at badquaker.com uh, on Facebook. It's, uh, it's two little girls, and it says, um, sharing is not piracy, and it shows two little girls, and it shows one little girl has a bear, and the other little girl has a bear. This is sharing, and it's not piracy. Then the next picture shows the little girl shooting the other little girl, killing her, and taking her bear. That's piracy. See? Something was stolen. Something was taken. If I take something from you, that means you don't have it. Well, now, when we start talking about property, that's exactly what we're talking about. If I take a thought from you, you still have the thought. Therefore, thoughts are not property. You understand that? This is really simple. Um, uh, The way Thomas Jefferson explained this exact same concept, he said, and he used different words because, you know, it was the olden days. But if I have a match with fire on it, and you bring your match up to touch my match, now you have fire. I have fire. You have fire. You have not taken anything from me. You have not diminished my fire in the least. I have exactly what I had before, and you have it also. Therefore, fire cannot be copyrighted or patented or whatever. There is no ownership in fire, because I can have it, and you can have it at the same time, and your having it doesn't diminish my having it. Now, that's the thing with a thought. And what is a thought? What is a name? What is a reputation? other than the thoughts of another person. And you can, you can have those at the same time, or you can not have those at the same time, and it doesn't affect the other person. Therefore, there is no property. There is no right to property in a thought, or in a reputation, or in a name. If there was property in a name, then there would have to be scarcity. In other words, um, why is it that gold is expensive? Because there's a limited amount of it, in circulation we don't know how much is you know in the entire universe but we know how but we know that trying to get a hold of some of it 
is a little bit difficult. So, be, so its value is based directly on how difficult it is to obtain, and whoever owns it and what price they want to get when they when when you offer them a price for it. So all these things work together. The it, the fact that it's tangible, the fact that there is a scarcity, and the fact that someone wants it and someone else owns it. These things together mean that it has a value and it has a price, and it can be bought and it can be sold. But it can't be two places at the same time. You can, if I buy gold from you or if I steal gold from you, then you no longer have it. But that doesn't work with thoughts. That doesn't have, work with reputations. That doesn't work with names. You can have more than one person with the same name, and it doesn't diminish the capability of the first person. You can call yourself the same as someone else as long as... Now, fraud is different. And if you go to ronpaul.com, well, now I think there's just a blank picture. And pretty soon, uh, you know, as this podcast rotates around the Internet, you may be heard two years from now or whatever, um, there, there may not be a website where Ron Paul at all. So all these things may be uh, a, mute, um, a moot point. But uh, over the years... As if when you went to ronpaul.com, you saw immediately that it said right on it that it's a fan site and it's not the official website of Ron Paul. They did not in any way try to deceive anyone, trying to trying to convince anybody that they were actually Ron Paul. They made that clear right from the beginning that they were just a fan site and they were there in support of the politician Ron Paul. So no fraud took place. If no fraud took place and no uh, actual physical theft took place, then no crime took place. There was no aggression on the part of the owners of ronpaul.com. They, uh, they did not falsify themselves, and they did not aggress upon anybody. On the other hand, Ron Paul has aggressed upon them. Ron Paul has essentially, I, I said it this way in my complaint uh, that, I, that I put around on the Internet, I said Ron Paul has done the equivalent of an old man calling the cops because a kid's ball bounced into his yard. Technically, according to the law, the owners of ronpaul.com are wrong. But rather than, a tr than attempting to fix the situation directly, rather than the old man picking up the ball and going, Sonny, you got to not ha let your ball bounce in my yard. I don't want your stuff in my yard. Rather than Ron Paul behaving in a civilized manner like that, what he did instead was to sick his attorneys and, and use the fist of government to accomplish what he wanted. Therefore, Ron Paul is the aggressor. Ron Paul is the one that's attempting to take actual physical property because the, the, all those little ones and zeros that are written on a hard drive are a physical property. They exist not only in, in images on the Internet, not only in the electrons that are flying back and forth across the Internet, but they actually exist in a hard physical form on a hard drive. And Ron Paul wants to uh, take control of that and limit its uh, distribution and actually, you know, probably wants to destroy it because he doesn't want all those things on there. That's the whole point. He doesn't want competition with his product. He's afraid of the competition. That's stated in the complaint. He's afraid of the competition. doesn't use the word afraid. But, uh, but it indicates that he is, that he's uh, somehow harmed or somehow offended or somehow uh, damaged by, by competition. That's, that's not an Austrian economic point of view when it comes to competition. And if you, if you think about how Rothbard uh, talked about how, a, um, how an, uh, a brand name can be protected and how uh, you know, fraudulent attempts might be made... Uh, or, or someone might name their product the same. Let's let's put it this way. I can't I, I can't remember exactly how Rothbard put the argument, but but I'll try to. I can't remember his example, but I'll try to give you another example. Let's say, uh, let's say you have Coca Cola, and so Coca Cola is a has a specific flavor and it's a specific color and 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 uh, you know all these thing, all these characteristics. And somebody else comes along, and they have a, a, a bottle that looks exactly like the Coca-Cola bottle. They have copied as best they could the flavor and the and the, the color and everything like that, and they're selling it as Coca-Cola. Well, that's deception. It's not in in the libertarian um, uh, economic point of view. The, the, the thing that they're doing wrong here is not that they're infringing upon some kind of a right. 
as far as the the use of the image or the use of the name or whatever like that. Where where the infringement comes is in attempting to defraud, saying that their product actually is Coca Cola. That's where the in the defrauding. That's where the where the uh, where the damage takes place. And the libertarian makes the argument that um, that fraud is not acceptable. But that's not the the case with uh, with RonPaul.com. They in no way tried to defraud anyone. They in no way tried to um, sell themselves as actually being Ron Paul. The the complaint and the complaint doesn't even say that really, although it kind of hints that that might be the case. But it doesn't it, it doesn't clearly say that they were trying to deceive anyone. But either way, no matter what the complaint says on the website itself, they made it clear that they were not Ron Paul, that they were a fan site of Ron Paul's. And actually, if you go uh, go to some place like Facebook. And there's, uh, you know, there's all kinds of fan sites for different people and so forth. Now, Facebook will use its muscle and it will, um, if, if a person uh, says, hey, there's a fan, uh, fan page that's using my name and I'd like that stopped, then Facebook will stop that. But you have to keep in mind, Facebook is private property owned by the company that owns Facebook. This is not out there on the Internet. Um, we're not talking about using a governmental agency to uh, accomplish your your desires. This is all within the realm of Facebook, and Facebook owns the property. So using the old man uh, and the kid with the ball as an example, it would be a little bit different if um, if the kid were playing ball on the old man's property, and then the old man came out and, and said, hey, you can't do this. That's different. But in the in the case with Ron Paul, it's more like the ball came into the old man's property, and rather than dealing with the kid, Ron Paul calls the UN, which is the equivalent of the old man calling the police. Okay, now, before I run out of time, I want to encourage you to get a book called Against Intellectual Property by Stephen Kinsella. And specifically for what I'm talking about in this podcast, if you look at pages, uh, it's called it's in the section called IP and property rights. It's between in the section between page 29 and 34. And if I would have had enough time in today's podcast, I would have read that for you because what Stephen uh, Kinsella basically does is he goes through in a better way than what I just did, and he explains what real property has to be what ha, that it has to be uh, there has to be scarcity it has to be tangible um, and then he goes on to explain that things like reputation and things like um, uh, anything that's thought based uh, is not tangible and and it is not there's no scarcity so it can't be property and he uses uh, he quotes Hans Hermann Hoppe and he quotes some other people and he goes through very carefully and shows that thoughts cannot be uh, owned and that words cannot be owned and reputations cannot be owned and even to the point of where like I was using the I think he uses the example of a book that if you can make an exact copy of a book um, then you haven't taken away from my ownership of that same book I still own my book even if you have an exact copy of it and so within the libertarian uh, uh, thought um, it, it is completely contradictory to what uh, government-based IP uh, laws are, intellectual property uh, laws. And, and that's why the consistent libertarian position on intellectual property is that there is no such thing as intellectual property. There's real property. There are things that are tangible, that are, that are in scarcity, and that can be owned. But anything that is not tangible and is not in scarcity cannot be owned. So, for example, space. Um, you can own the space within a bottle. That's fine uh, because there's a limit. There's a, it's, it's tangible. You can hold the bottle and look into it. Right there it is. There's a space inside that bottle. And, and it's uh, uh, limited in, quali- in quantity. If you have a bottle of space then it's the only one in existence. So, so there is a, a, a scarcity there. That space is the only one that's that space right inside that bottle. So you can own that space, but you can't own space. You can't own, say, say you're going to own this galaxy. You can't. You can't you, well, I suppose technically you could because there's only one of this galaxy, but then you'd have to be able to maintain it and according to, to homesteading rules. 
but but space itself to say i am the the god of everything and i and i own space well you can't because space is unlimited space has no uh, uh limits in its quantity now that you could uh, um you could say the same with air you can say well uh, i own the air in this in this bottle okay fine you own the air in that bottle because it's a tangible thing. You can point right to it and say, right there it is. It's right in that bottle. You can test it and prove that there's air in there. And the other thing is that there's a scarcity to it. There's a limited quantity. Of all the air in existence, there's only one air in that bottle that is the air in that bottle. So, so it's limited in, in its, in its uh, quantity. But you can't say, I own air. You can't do that. You can't say, I own all the air. Because... Uh, because there's no limit to its uh, to this resource, and and it's not tangible. You can't you can't actually put your finger on it and say this is the air I own, and touch all of the air and show it and point it out. So you can't own all the air. You can only own that which is which is contained in a specific spot, and only because it's a uh, it's tangible and it's scarce. But a thought, a reputation, a name is neither tangible nor scarce, therefore it cannot be owned. Now, as I wrap this up, I want to point out one more time that it doesn't matter what my opinion is. It doesn't matter that what I'm saying is, uh, is intellectually correct, and, and Stephen Kinsella and Walter Block and Mises and Rothbard and all these other guys have made the argument. I'm just saying it. I believe their argument, but I'm just saying their argument. That's all I'm doing. I'm being consistent with libertarian theory and with Austrian economics. Ron Paul is not being consistent with libertarian theory, and he's not being consistent with, uh, with Austrian economics. But the UN is going to decide on his behalf, because the way the laws of the government are, and the way the laws of the UN are, Ron Paul is correct. The law will decide on Ron Paul's behalf, and Ron Paul will win this argument. Not because he's right, not because it's good, not because it's the right thing to do, not because of any of those things. Ron Paul will win because Ron Paul is a statist who is aggressing on the property of others, property that they worked for and that they established a value of it, and rather than negotiate and attempt to buy it at a, at a, at a reasonable price, Ron Paul is using the fist of government to take it. And there's really no other consistent libertarian way to look at this. This is absolutely consistent with everything that's been taught in libertarian circles for the last 50 years. Taking Ayn Rand out of the argument since she, by her own admission, is not a libertarian or was not a libertarian. Now, again, I want to recap this by saying what I said to start it with. It doesn't matter how you feel about Ron Paul the man or ronpaul.com, the website, or the owners of the website. These may be good people, they may, may be bad people, it doesn't matter. To find truth, you have to set aside your emotions, and you have to ignore the noise of the faithful status that are constantly shouting in the background. And you have to seek truth. And if you seek truth consistently, and if you, you delve in and you say, what is property? What is Ron Paul really doing here? When he calls the government and he sicks the government's he sicks the government's armies, he sicks the government's police forces and the might and the fist of the government. When he sicks that on an individual so that he can obtain th property that they bought and worked on and improved and and made a, a valuable thing out of it. When he does that. Ron Paul aggresses, and Ron Paul, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, L. Neal Smith's words when he said that people who, uh, he, he quoted the zero aggression principle, and he said people who abide by the zero aggression principle are libertarians, whether they realize it or not, and people who do not abide by the zero aggression principle are not libertarians, no matter what they may say about themselves. Now, that's really what it boils down to. It's not what a person says. It's what a person does. And Ron Paul has acted in aggression, in attempting to take what doesn't belong to him, what rightfully belongs to someone else. Not just the name and not the reputation, but actual bits, pluses and minuses, ones and zeros on a hard drive. Ron Paul 
is attempting to destroy something that someone else worked on, someone else invested time, effort, and money into. That's the essence of this. Ron Paul is the aggressor. Folks, thanks for listening to today's show, and remember to visit badquaker.com where liberty is our mission. Thank you.